Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Today in Science from Wired. Brought to you by Quantic. Quantic's online MBA and executive MBA degree programs are designed mobile first, with interactive micro lessons and individualized feedback every eight seconds. Don't settle for old school slides and lectures. Engage with the modern MBA and experience the future of education. Go to quantic.edu wired for more. The cool physics of a supersonic baseball. For one thing, Let's build a model of air drag and how it affects the ball differently when it's traveling faster and slower than the speed of sound. By Rhett Elaine. Could you build an air-powered cannon to launch a baseball faster than the speed of sound? Apparently, the answer is yup. Check out the link on Wired's website for a build from Smarter Every Day on YouTube. It's pretty awesome. It's basically a type of air cannon. The way these devices work is you put a ball in a PVC pipe and seal off the two ends with tape. The next step is to pump the air out of the tube with the ball still inside it. After that, you puncture one wall of the tube so that air rushes in and pushes the ball out through the tape at the other end, sometimes at extreme speeds. So this is most likely like that, but with a baseball. Incredibly, they got the baseball to go supersonic on the first shot. In order to measure the ball's velocity to confirm its speed, They recorded a slow-motion video of the ball passing over two sticks a distance of 12 feet apart. If you can get the time it takes the ball to travel from one stick to the next, you can find the average velocity as average velocity equals displacement over time. There are some important things you might accidentally pass over in this equation. This is the average velocity. If you have a large time interval, it's possible that the ball's velocity at the beginning and the end of the time interval are different. Since this uses a change in horizontal position represented by displacement, you only get the average horizontal velocity, not the instantaneous velocity. Be careful. You might get the right answer if you use the very common distance over time formula, but it's not a very good habit to calculate the velocity this way. It's the change in position divided by a change in time. In the YouTube clip, they used the slow-mo video to get a ball speed of 1538.46 feet per second, or 569 meters per second. This is significantly faster than the speed of sound in air, approximately 343 meters per second. But this value changes a little bit depending on the air temperature. 
Overall, it's a great view of the supersonic ball. But you know what this means, right? It's the perfect opportunity for some video analysis. Yep, the basic idea in video analysis is to look at the location of an object in each frame of the video. With the appropriate scale, like the distance between two sticks, you can get the position x and y of the object in each frame. If you know the frame rate, we do, then also get data about the time from video. It's awesome. Oh, I use the free software Tracker Video Analysis. Also, a big hat tip to Destin from Smarter Every Day for including a distance and frame rate right next to the video. So instead of looking at just the time it takes the ball to travel between two sticks, I can get the position in every frame. This will be a different way to find the velocity of the ball, a better way such that I can take into account the change in velocity as the ball travels out of the launcher. Once I go through and mark the location of the ball, I get the following plot of the horizontal position as a function of time. Since this is a plot of position versus time, the slope of the data will be the change in position divided by the change in time from the definition of slope. Oh wait, that's the same as the definition of velocity. So the slope is the velocity. See how nice that is? It shows the ball is not moving at a constant velocity. Even better, since I marked the location of the ball in a whole bunch of video frames, I can calculate the slope, the velocity, at both the beginning and end of the motion. Notice that the ball's speed decreases? That's because of the air drag. It's cool that you can actually measure how much the ball slows down. Well, that's the great thing about a super high-speed camera. If I select a portion of the data at the beginning of the video, I can use a linear fit to determine the slope of the position versus time, which gives the velocity. From this, I get an initial velocity of 456 meters per second at a time of around two thousandths of a second. Near the end of the video, the graph has a slope of 382 meters per second at a time of about 11 hundredths of a second. From this change in velocity over this time interval, I can calculate the horizontal acceleration of the ball. But why does the ball slow down? After the baseball leaves the launcher, there are just two interactions that cause it to change its velocity. There is the downward pulling gravitational force and the backwards pushing air drag force due to the collision between the ball and the molecules in the air. The gravitational force is usually fairly significant. However, in this case, we are looking at a super short time interval such that it doesn't really cause a large change in velocity of the ball. But what about the air drag? We can build a model for this air drag force that depends on the speed of the ball, represented by V, the density of air, represented by the Greek rho, the cross-sectional area of the ball, represented by capital A, and a drag coefficient that depends on the shape, represented by capital C. Most of these values are known, but the drag coefficient at high speeds can sometimes be difficult to determine. Okay, I like to say that you don't really understand something until you can build a model of it, so let's do that. Of course, the motion of this supersonic ball isn't so trivial. The air drag force makes the ball slow down, but the air drag force changes with the velocity of the ball. But this force decreases as the speed decreases, but that makes the ball slow down less. This means that there is no analytical solution for the position of this ball as a function of time. Our only hope is to build a numerical model. The key idea of a numerical model is to start with some initial values for the position and velocity of the ball. With the velocity, I can then calculate the force on that ball in that instant. The next trick is to just find the velocity and position of the ball after some very, very short time interval. 
During this interval, we can assume that the air drag force is constant. It's at least approximately constant. Then, at the end of the short time step, we can use the new velocity to calculate the new air drag force and repeat the whole thing again. Really, the only problem with this method is that instead of one very complicated mathematical problem, you get thousands of simpler problems. No one really wants to do thousands of calculations to determine the trajectory of a ball, so we can just make a computer do the work. They don't normally complain. Okay, I'm going to skip all the programming details and just give you the code. This is both the numerical calculation showing the trajectory of the ball. The red line is the actual data from the video. The blue line uses a drag coefficient of c equals 2.5. And the green line is for c equals 1. But what does this output tell us? It says that if I have a baseball drag coefficient of 2.5, then the model pretty much agrees with the actual data, which is pretty cool if you think about it. Of course, this is only during a very short time interval. As the air drag force continues to slow the ball down, the ball will move below the speed of sound and the drag coefficient will also change. If the baseball was moving at normal baseball speeds, it would have a drag coefficient around C equals 0.3. Yes, the supersonic and subsonic air drag forces can be quite different. This is just one of the things that makes fluid dynamics so complicated. Once you have a model, which I do, you can do stuff with it. Now I can rerun my program for a time period longer than 100 seconds and find out what would happen if there wasn't a wall for the ball to collide with. Of course, I do need to make some type of assumption about the drag coefficient. For this calculation, I'm going to let the coefficient be 2.5 while the ball is faster than the speed of sound and 0.3 when it is slower. That might not be exact, but it will still give us an idea about the motion of this ball. Also, I'm going to start with the baseball launched exactly horizontally with a height of one meter above the ground. Here is a plot of the trajectory in that case. Here you can see that the ball would travel about five kilometers before hitting the ground. Also, I should point out that this plot is not a picture of the ball's path since the vertical axis scale is different than the horizontal scale. Still cool. Now for some homework questions. Suppose you fired a baseball straight up. How high would it go? Do you need to take into account the decrease in air density as you go higher? When the ball impacts the target board, it basically gets destroyed. Let's assume that the final parts of the ball have a zero horizontal velocity. It completely stops. If this ball stops over a distance of 7.6 centimeters, the diameter of a baseball, what is the average force the ball exerts on the target while stopping? How does the momentum and kinetic energy of this supersonic baseball compare to a bullet? You pick the bullet and rifle that it was shot from. How far would the baseball travel before moving below the speed of sound? In the video, they show a scene of the baseball traveling in front of a Schlieren imaging system so that you can see the supersonic shockwave. Measure the angle of this shockwave and use it to estimate the speed of the baseball. Does this give a value near the velocity of the video analysis? Build a model that uses a more dynamic value of the drag coefficient. Here, the link to this paper on supersonic meteors might be useful. And, what angle would give the greatest range for this baseball on flat ground? Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.